Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the preview show of Football Ramble Daily, sponsored by Betway. My name is Marcus Speller. My name is Gentleman Jim Campbell. I'm Lucky Luke Moore. And I'm Freddy Krueger, baby! Oh, don't start with a nightmare on Elm Street business. What do you Peter? mean? It's a great movie. In what's, which is the one where all of the wires from the man's motorbike goes into his hands? I think goal three. Four. It's goal three. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it didn't happen in goal three. Yeah. The, the one thing we didn't talk about on goal three is that oh, what um, have I done? Uh, still come on. Let's open this Pandora's box. Let's. I want to get it all out in the open. Let's leave yeah. it all out on the pitch, lads. And in goal three, when he's still playing for Newcastle United, and I'm not going to uh, cast aspersions to towards Newcastle's terrible training uh, situation and training ground going to dust, but he's still running up and down. The, the coast. Like, he could be yeah. doing that in, on a running machine it, at St. James's Park. Well, not at St. James's Park, at, uh, at the training ground. It's just, again, weird. Carry it's on, Mark. I suspect, I suspect Mark, um, Pete, that they were reusing footage from the old movie in that. Yes. Yeah, good shout, good shout. Okay. Well, this is not Pete's film club, okay? No. And even if it was, we've already talked about goal three. (laughs) And uh, apologies once again, everybody. I'd like to start by talking about some transfer stuff. We've been starved of transfer sagas, and my goodness. Capitalism, baby. I am thirsty for a saga. (laughs) Sound like a randy old person about to go on a cruise. Well, just before we started recording, uh, Jim, Marcus was talking about setting up a Fulham firm, which I'm very much enjoying yes. uh, being in place for the start of next season. The, the most yeah. limp firm anyone's ever had, the softest firm. Well, is it really? Well, we'll see, won't we? Yeah, we'll see. We'll Ooh, see. That, there's a little threat. Ooh. You know the car park. You bring the sandwiches. Um, the, NC, so... the NCP, it's 20 quid an hour. You won't really? be able to afford that down in Fulham. That's... It's free oh, for it, front right, okay. workers at the moment, so give them a bit of credit. <laughs> Let's all, right, all calm down. Let's all calm down. Crying out ruddy loud. Because Timo Chelsea Werner. looks set to sign Timo Werner. And of course, Chelsea are in Fulham themselves. So uh, another reference there. But yes, uh, a, a big Timo. Um, th- there's been a lot of chat about him, maybe going to Liverpool and so on and so forth. It's not it's not set in stone at the moment. But but Chelsea, and I, I thought to myself, ah, see what you're doing. They didn't get old Dries's pieces, Mertens. Similar type of forward, maybe can play out mm. wide, can score the goals, looks handsome. Is he handsome? Wanna... Significantly younger. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think he's... he's handsome in a very functional way, isn't he? He's, he's very symmetrical. <laughs> very Is that a compliment? <laughs> well, I think I'm handsome in a sort of magic eye way. Um, being generous, <laughs> um, right? Team Werner. I think I think he is handsome, but functionally handsome. Is that not? Is that is, is that is that unfair on him? It's a damning with faint praise, isn't it, Jim? Is that when you say you're handsome? When you said you're handsome in a magic eye way, does that mean that you were handsome for a bit in the early nineties? <laughs> <laughs> if you crossed your eyes a bit, you could sort of you could sort of get on Jim. I'm handsome. I'm handsome, Jim, to sheep because they've got that weird kind of gyroscopic eye. I reckon I'm probably quite handsome to sheep because they can just see all of like they can almost see 360 degrees of me all at one one time. Yeah, and you think and your so your best angle is total. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's That's total angle. <laughs> I want yeah. basically. Uh, I'm better like just uh, imagine unwrapping me onto a two uh, D plane. That's how handsome I can get. That's as, that's as handsome <laughs> yeah. as I'm going to get. You just unwrap my skin, put it on a wall. That's as handsome as I'm going to get. 
But just the front side, forget about it. You've seen half of me there. Yeah, I'm going to have to apologise to Pete and, and Jim right now because I'm going to ask Luke, what do you think of Chelsea trying to sign Timo Werner? <laughs> um, I just don't think he's as handsome as Pete in a 2 on a 2 game. <laughs> no, I, th- I, think, uh, I think that... Um, <laughs> What do I think? I, but basically, I think that um, he's a good player. He's very exciting to watch. He's quick. He scores goals. I've seen him play in the flesh uh, before, and he played off the left, and he was excellent. He's very—he's an absolute busy bastard. Um, mm. Deceptively quick, pretty strong mm. as well. Obviously, twenty-four, I think he is. So he will—he will improve. You'd expect too. Um, and the, I, I read an interesting story about how Chelsea have, have signed him, which apparently is going to be confirmed next week I mean certain outlets are talking about it like it's already happened so um, I don't think we need to necessarily doubt them for any reason but they it was it was linked with Liverpool but it looks like Liverpool um, have passed him up uh, passed up passed on him chiefly I think because of financial be reasons ready, because yeah. because they uh, think he's gonna um, he would have started on the bench a lot of money for, for a player who's gonna start on the bench and I think interestingly mm. as well um, obviously there are lots of financial pressures around football clubs at the moment for obvious reasons but the, the the interesting angle I saw about why Liverpool didn't sign him is that is that they were link, thinking of, of bedding him in, in, in the Africa Cup of Nations when Salah and Mane were expected to be out mm. and they're not going to be out anymore probably because the Africa Cup of Nations is probably going to be uh, postponed so um, that's part of the reason but I one thing I would like to say actually is that um very very impressed with Chelsea's business so far I mean the transfer yeah. window hasn't really even opened and they've done Zayech they've done Werner two of the most exciting yeah. forward players in Europe and, and apparently just very finally to to end this Andy Brasilesque monologue um they <laughs> they um apparently were able to help secure him by Frank Lampard speaking to him directly on more than one occasion and sort of oh. selling him the vision so Chelsea mm. fans I think should be very happy with the job that Frank Lampard's doing so far overall and 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 expect reasonably that there's more to come yeah I would have had uh, Angola Conte getting involved because he's on he's the highest earner at uh, Chelsea at the moment and uh, Werner will be the second highest uh, earner uh, at Chelsea so yeah come up come on aboard why we would you are do that minted yeah <laughs> you won't earn as much as me <laughs> you'll be second but you'll uh-huh. be very close to me <laughs> so Pete your strategy would effectively be to get the big dog to go in and tell him not to get any ideas about his station before he yeah, signs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, look, it's good to have perspective because Chelsea have a terrible, uh, terrible record of signing players and then benching them uh, or, or or putting them out on loan. So, look, I'm just saying, go in with open <laughs> eyes, guys. I, I don't think you signed Timo Werner and put him out on loan, do you? <laughs> to be fair, what Pete's saying is maybe that actually N'Golo Kante is saying, oh, finally someone who earns is going to earn a similar amount to me. You can you can shop where I shop. You can go where I go. And he's mm. encouraging him. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's a full and firm way. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I think it'd be a decent signing because he's, he's versatile and, and what Chelsea are trying to do, they've got obviously players who can play up top and Tammy Abraham's, uh, you know, done some good stuff in a Chelsea shirt. They miss uh, Hazard still. I know Werner's not that type of player, but with that, that kind of more sort of dynamic front line that... Uh, that Lampard's trying to, to play with, then I, I think he would work. And also, there's there's talk of Pedro leaving. Not that Pedro is, I don't think Pedro's crucial to Chelsea plans at the moment. Hence, he's he's leaving. But I I, I think Werner's a decent signing. I know one or two people yeah, have same. been saying, yeah, I know one or two people have been saying, well, oh, I don't know, I could see him sort of flopping and, and Ziyech as well, or one of those ones who sort of flatters to deceive. Well, hang on, you've got you've got to go on what what we've seen. And yes, I know Ziyech has, has sometimes been. Um, criticised for his end product or 
what he, what he does in the final third. But I mean, he's, he's clearly a talented player, and, and ultimately, you've got sometimes there's an ele- always an element of taking a punt with a transfer. But I'd like to see Al Verns in the Premier League. Well, um, I think yeah. I think the the, but the point about um, a lot of the chat on, on social media the last day or two has been a bit like, what does this mean for Tammy Abraham? But I mean, yeah. Zayic can play off the. Well, I've seen I've seen Zayic play in in, um, in the flesh as well, and I was very impressed with him. And he he played off the right when I saw him. And Timo Werner has played off the left when I saw him. Yeah. And Chelsea, of course, of this season that we're currently in the middle of, middle of um, Chelsea have played a four-three-three quite regularly, mm. and, and Abraham could play through the middle. So there are lots. There are always going to be lots of options for 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 a manager like Frank Lampard at a club like Chelsea in 2020. Um, those players have got to prove their worth. But I don't necessarily think it's the end for Tammy Abraham or a comment on his contribution mm. or a shame for English football in quotes because they're signing these players. Abraham plays through the middle. These two don't have to play through the middle. And I've mm. I've not seen um, Zayech play through the middle as a, as a false nine or anything like that. So I don't necessarily think it's worth uh, worrying, a bit, uh, worrying about what it means for Abraham. Mm. Yeah, I personally... I. I... That is the first thing that sort of springs to mind, doesn't it? But you, you would hope that that um, that just the, the very nature of how modern squads are put together and the versatility of modern forwards, especially younger ones, is uh, would take care of that. But I mean, I think actually the, the idea that that Werner is a slightly underwhelming signing is 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 kind of crazy to me. I think he's he's really really exciting, and that actually makes Chelsea seem like quite a scary prospect. Because uh, he he's kind of ruthless, isn't he? He seems to be one of those players where you know how you would always trust, say, Andrei Shevchenko to bury it, not for Chelsea, obviously. I was about to say to all the examples. Poor example. You know when Matai Kesman, Matai Kesman would bury them. <laughs> yeah, but no, Werner's got that kind of dead-eyed, ruthless quality to his finishing, and 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 I think um, you know that's that's something that's that's very very absolutely crucial. and. And, and you know, with the exception of the kind of left-back position, which I think um, Lampard's been a bit um, uh, indecisive about, and it, clearly we have to remember that he's newish, newish enough in the job and, and all the rest of it. But what, what did Chelsea have? I think, I think you look at Chelsea as being an exciting, young, dynamic team who have brought these younger players mm-hmm. through and who have made a couple of, of, of big signings as well. But don't forget, of course, William is probably expected to leave at the end of the season. So they're yeah. going to lose a bit of experience. In Zayec, who's 27 and has played in the last stage of the Champions League, and Timo Werner, who's 24, but is vastly experienced in the top flight in Germany and has mm. banged the goals in for fun and offers an awful lot more than that. I think they're, I think they're really sensible signings because they give them a little bit of quality. And, and, mm. and the example I would use about the fact that Chelsea aren't quite ready to make that step up yet is if you remember, I know it feels like a long time ago now, but in that first leg of the Champions League uh, stage, uh, I forget which stage it was now, they were absolutely battered by Bayern Munich. I mean, at home, yeah. they were beaten very, very badly and they didn't have the quality or the experience to deal with it. And I'm not suggesting that this gives them that necessarily, but it's certainly a step in the right direction. Yeah, they needed something. Well, they're looking at Ben, ben Chilwell as well, the left back apparently, but uh, we shall wait and see. Well, that would make sense as well, wouldn't it? It would make a lot of yeah. sense, yeah. What what has also made a lot of sense, Luke Moore, is Southampton capturing Ralph Hasenhutl uh, for another four-year contract. I say another four-year contract. They got him on it. Uh, he signed a four-year contract. He's been there since December 2018. So Southampton currently 14th, um, seven points above the relegation zone with nine matches to play. So, you, I mean, you know, unless they have a disaster, bearing in mind the nine nil and all that kind of stuff, you know, they're, they're in a, a decent <clears throat> position. 
And old Hassan Hoots has uh, apparently been working away during the lockdown, trying to sync up things uh, at the club. Matt Letizio has been, been full of praise for Hassan Hoot and what's been going on. He's trying to get the academies to kind of line up with what the first team are doing, which I, I don't know if they still do at Barcelona. I suspect they would, but I, know, I remember hearing about that um, you know, a number of years ago under Guardiola and so on. So the, the club will see all levels of the club um, having similar playing styles, the way of training, dietary requir- requirements. So obviously the idea is, you know, you you you, you uh, qualify from that level and you move up and you move up. And it's kind of, I don't know, it's quite interesting with, with Hassan Hull at Southampton uh, and what he's doing there. I think it's, I think it's great for them. Can you imagine yeah. uh, Matt Letizier, uh being in a club where everyone has to have the same similar playing style, way of training, and dietary dietary requirements? <laughs> that would also, be a relaxed team. <laughs> I also, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like Carson Hill. I think he's great, and I can explain why. Uh, but I mean, I wouldn't go on what Matt Letizier says because he literally, I think, thinks the world's flat. So, I mean, his his, his <laughs> yeah. judgment probably should his 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 reputation should probably preclude him from having a judgment on that. Do you think that? Yeah. Um, do you think that with this, with the lockdown and COVID and everything, and the uncertainty as to when the next season is probably going to start, and whether we'll have the same situation next year, will make um, uh, the chairmen's and, and owners of clubs be a bit more um, conservative when it comes to replacing uh, uh, managers? Because obviously, a bit of continuity wouldn't go amiss in, in situations yeah. like this, especially when there's no football being played. Oh yeah, absolutely. We've already seen that people are certainly going to be a bit more frugal with transfers. We've seen Spurs talking mm. about that, and even Liverpool. I mean, they've said that part of the reason that they kind of call their interest in, in Werner was also because they their priority is to make sure that Van Dijk and Allison are kept on, uh, you know, have right. renewed terms and that some of their other standout performers get new contracts. So we're already seeing that happen. But I think you're absolutely right, Pete. And Hassan Hootel is a great example of this, isn't he? He's, he's been very vocal about how well he was supported after the 9-0. Um, even got a text from Alex Ferguson, apparently. And you hear this a lot, don't you? It's like, <laughs> why, how does Alex Ferguson have every manager's number? Or unless they're in like a big WhatsApp group together, and he just picks it out of that. But um, but yeah, I think we are we are hopefully going to see a bit bit more of that because um, yeah, this would be a crazy time to change manager, wouldn't it? Can you imagine if that just well, doesn't if it just doesn't affect it? So so when when the nine nil happened, um, there was a lot of talk about you know, well, is his position untenable? Can he realistically carry on after this? But yeah. I, I know a couple of friends, as you'd probably expect, who are, who are Southampton fans from from down that way, and I think the general consensus was that Hassan Hüttel is impressive. People like him. He seems to be doing a good job. The players need to sort themselves out, etc. So the the blame kind of, as far as I understand it fell on the players a bit more. And then and then Hassan Hootel sorted it out and, and got them on a bit of a run around uh, Christmas time, didn't he? Mm. And the occasion, I think they had the one defeat all over that time, all the way through to the end of January. But then having said that, they, they did start to wobble a bit. They had some tough games, but they also had some games you'd expect them to win. They lost to West Ham, they lost at home to Burnley, and they lost at home to Pete Donaldson's beloved Newcastle United as well. Oh, yeah. And then the break happened. So as, I don't mean this to sound callous. Of course, there are wider implications and much more serious things to think about. But if you take it just on the football side, the break came at quite a nice time for them. And I think Harsen Hutt was the kind of guy, I mean, they call him the, the, the Alpine Klopp, don't they, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. He's the kind mm-hmm. of guy, I think, who does want to overhaul the club, create it, in his own in his own image and, yeah. and as you've alluded to Marcus get a lot of coherence between all the different teams there and um, this this break has probably given him a lot of thinking time which I think would be beneficial I think they come back with a game against Norwich 
which will be interesting to see what stage they're at. But as ever, as I said, when it comes to the Bundesliga, and I, I believe it in terms of the Premier League as well, uh, and we'll have more time to talk about this between now and when it starts again, of course, is that what's going to be really important is that the teams who do well in this, after this restart are going to be the teams that manage very different conditions the best. And if you've got a mm. thoughtful, um, kind of confident, safe in his job manager, I think that's really going to help things. Yeah, well, look at Aston Villa, Luke Moore. 19th with two points from safety and have a game in hand. They need to hit the ground running with this. And Jack Grealish has been talking big. He was uh, speaking about the league's return and is relishing playing his part in keeping Villa up. He said, being the local lad and captain of the club, I absolutely love it. <laughs> Go on, Jackie. It'd be nice <laughs> yeah. to have the legs back. Um, but yeah, he said he wasn't bothered if there was crowd noise used in the stadium or not, which would be interesting. But John McGinn's, uh, um, uh, he, he's back uh, for, for Villa, which is a big plus for them because he was uh, previously injured, of course. So uh, I think the relegation um, sort of chat or... or, or uh, what would it be the battle if you like is is where it's going to be really interesting because we know Liverpool are going to win the league there's a few European places up for grabs but but how those sides respond uh, as you say yeah. Luke is, is going to be quite fascinating yeah I think you're right Marcus that is going to be the the, the lack of atmosphere uh, is going to is going to tell most down the bottom isn't it because does it add to the pressure or does it does it remove the pressure you know we're yet to really to, to understand what that's going to be like I think one of the one of the um facets of watching games without um without without the crowd noise and the fans is strangely i think you kind of concentrate more you know you 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 watch the game as if you're watching a game in a park from the sidelines and you're really seeing the shapes and and everything that happens and i think we're going to have more of an insight into the sort of nervousness of the players from that from the body language and just from the from the shapes of the team and i'm i think i'm i'm more looking forward to that than i am sort of the uh the you know the the so-called title race because it's the it's the stuff that's going to be affected the most by this situation and what do you feel about the crowd noise because i don't think they're actually going to pump it into the stadium are they it's going to be the tv broadcasts that have potentially have the option Mm. to have it on or off Mm. i'm quite intrigued by it i think that the um i think certainly um teams who this season have had a terrible uh, away record and and to be honest there aren't that many um will probably find it easier going because obviously you know the, 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 there's data to suggest that referees do get influenced by by away uh, by yeah. you know uh, giving giving home teams uh, advantage and stuff like that so there is going to be a bit of that um so 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 teams that have bad uh, away records are probably going to have a, a better time but i mean I mean, in in the actual stadium, playing playing football, I think it's going to start slow, like uh, the Bundesliga did. Everyone's going to be uh, misfiring in the six yard box, like we saw with them, and, and the defenders are going to be a little bit nervous. But everything in between is just going to get a little bit stodgy for the first couple of matches because people just aren't fit. People just find it very very hard yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to get fit. And there's talk of like um, playing friendlies and stuff. Are we going to televise them as well? Can we televise everything? Mm. Have you guys seen where the um the where the crowd noise is going to come from for the TV broadcasts? Pizza. No. World Cup 66. They're taking it from <laughs> feet from the from the game FIFA 20. Oh yeah. Oh nice. Lovely. Have the, have the plan, offered that up as a little package? Like obviously I don't got... know, but that's the plan apparently. That's what's been reported in the newspapers earlier this week. I think it's a dreadful idea. Can we choose a Barry Davies um pre evolution six? Uh... <laughs> but Marcus, I think I think yeah. <laughs> I think I, I don't I, I obviously I mean the noise, not the commentary, but Marcus, I mean people know much more about this than me, but I believe it's something to do with the AI and how it works means that they mm. can it'll work and it won't just sound like a straight bit of white noise with no it would deviation. be like um 
It would be like, I mean, I presume, I, I mean, I presume EA have just provided the stems and someone's programmed a, a little kind of soundboard that will help, you know, create like a swell of Why noise. Why did Donnie get a call for that job? Into, yeah, I was oh, say. I love, I love, well, have you seen me on the uh, the old uh, iPad when we're in the studio? <laughs> yeah. I'll be okay. playing the Gore for Glow I now know why you but don't get <laughs> But that's a fantastic, that's a fascinating bit of work that they've uh, taken that crowd noise. Because that crowd noise... Because the crowd noises are, are taken from uh, different stadiums as well. So you'll hear like Newcastle United chants when you play at St. James's Park. You'll be yeah. hearing like Arsenal chants when you're at the Emirates. Will will they put that in? Will it, will that be part of it as mm. well? Exciting. Oh, you've, yeah. you've excited me. The thing <laughs> is, I'm quite looking forward to hearing it with no atmosphere as well. So I'm really hoping yeah. there is the option to flip between. Because either it way, it's going to be this eerie kind of bizarro world version of the Premier League. So I think all for it. <laughs> I'm going to mute the TV. I mean, I watch it and I'm going to sing myself in my living room the whole game all the way through till the end to make my own atmosphere. Yeah. Don't you do that Mark anyway? going to be out with his firm. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. Just, but I won't do it so loud that I attract him. I won't do it so loud that Marcus and his firm hears me and comes and gets me. <laughs> oh, no. You would get pelted with some fine Waitrose pro- produce. With apples. Yeah. <laughs> I think the crowd noises are a terrible idea and I'm against it. Oh, against non-football. Spellsy, doing. Buzzkill. Oh, that's <laughs> firm. Furious about this. Yeah. Well, I, I, I honestly, I, I think it's a terrible idea because it's just, it's fake. And I don't like fake news. I don't like okay. fake people. Like uh, you, Donny. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but do you but, not, do, do, but if it was optional, Marcus, is, it, does that still um, offend your sensibilities in the same way? Just because, well, think, you know, they are, they are doing what they can, aren't they? The broadcasters, and it has to be said, I think they've done a pretty good job so far in the circumstances. Quite often when you're watching the Bundesliga, you forget that the commentator and co-commentator aren't together um, or even mm. in the stadium. Um, and, you know, they are doing what they can to offer different options. And I think that's to be applauded, is it not? Yeah, but I mean, they do that for most of the European games. I mean, most of the BT commentators normally wouldn't be in the stadium anyway. Uh, you know, there are always a lot of commentaries uh, remotely done. But yes, I think yeah. I think to give the option, I think I wouldn't want to starve others of the option, but I just want it wouldn't want it put upon me. Marcus is a purist uh, it, <laughs> when it comes. It's to fair the enough. Noise. Um, <clears throat> gentlemen, I'd like to finish the uh, first half of this show by uh, bringing Roy Hodgson. Um, this comments into the light. <laughs> of course, he's bringing, well, he's yeah. bringing others into the light. Actually, Roy Hodgson's a springboard here, um, as he's often. Uh, Do not know, use Roy Hodgson as a springboard. <laughs> My God, yeah. is, is he an honorary member of, of his age? Very unfair. Uh, uh-huh. Well, Hodgson said he's um, very pleased to be back at work. Of course, I think a lot of uh, managers uh, w- would say the same. Um, and and he's, Hodgson spoke of, of football players being more well-rounded and intelligent and interesting than they're given credit for. And this was in light of recent events. He was full of praise for his players and others, um, how they've responded to what's been going on uh, in the current climate and, and, and so on. And he said, I'm very proud, certainly at Crystal Palace, of what players have done during the crisis and the pandemic in trying to help the club's foundation and contribute the best way uh, we can to many organisations. I'm also pleased to see players take a political interest, especially a club like ours in South East London that has a lot of black players. It doesn't concern me to see players thinking about those bigger topics and even making a stand. Well, well that's, that's, that's good for Hodgson to, uh, to come out and say that. Yeah. Do you know what? Let me, let me just chime in on the support for Roy Hodgson, if I may. Since what happened in 2012, when he was England manager, 
and what happened, of course, with uh, Liverpool to an extent as well, he's he's far too often cast as a bit of a doddery old fool, Roy Hodgson. Mm. And I mean that with love. I don't share that view, but I think he's mm. far too often cast as that with the he gifts is. and the memes you see go around. When in actual fact, he is intelligent. He's very, very well read. He's clearly got a huge amount of experience, a lot to offer the game, not just in a football sense, but in a wider sense as well. And I, I very, very regularly... Does Roy Hodgson come out and say things where I think, do you know what, you're absolutely right, yeah. and I completely agree with you, and and perhaps he doesn't quite get enough credit for that, and I'm pleased to hear him say that because I think it's a really positive, important thing for him to say. Yeah, I completely agree, Luke, and actually, um, the the point he makes is a really important one about footballers, you know, not just being more rounded and intelligent, but the the fact that they should be allowed to kind of express these views. I think it's an important thing that that people in this position aren't you know castigated for for speaking their mind about really important things because that's how we're going to see some progress so i don't know if you saw liam rossini wrote an open letter to donald trump um this morning which is fantastic and can you imagine that happening even three months ago like this is a really really (laughs) positive thing and i wonder what football can do in terms of you know actively encouraging that because i think it can be a really powerful tool for good it's always talking about how it's a powerful tool for good but then if anyone says anything uh, of any impact they they often uh you know they have rules in place to to kind of deny them uh, being able to say that i mean i think it's great that Jaden sancho and, and and others weren't uh, punished for um, the messages that um, that were written um, in support of the, the protests in the US, um, and I wonder if football can can actually think about that a little bit more and and, and you know allow itself to be a platform. I think that would be a good thing. Well, well, what happened when uh, what happened when he actually uh, took his shirt off? Obviously, he gets a yellow for taking his shirt off, uh, and that was what, what what the yellow was for. Did did, did that yellow get um, stricken for the record? Because obviously, we're going to get back into uh, Premier League football. Premier League is thirty um, percent black, so to, to, or if not more, uh, and it should provide a platform uh, to the to the voiceless. It should provide a platform uh, to people with with uh, political interests. But um, the actual framework of the on field kind of um, celebration of, of issues or or uh, you know taking the shirts off with political messages uh, is in place, so people do get um, you know the, the the yellow cards and the red cards. So where do we where do we stand on on that? So the situation the situation is with 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 what happened with Jaden Sancho. And the other players in the Bundesliga is that Jaden mm. Sancho was um, penalised with a yellow card for removing his shirt. Um, I believe Ashraf Hakimi, I think it was, or maybe someone else who lifted their shirt over their head but didn't take their shirt off but still showed a justice for George Floyd message. He wasn't booked because he didn't remove his right. shirt. And FIFA president Gianni Infantino said, and I covered this briefly yesterday on, on OTC, if people haven't heard that, I want to go back and listen. Um, Gianni Infantino said, for the, his, his statement was as follows, for the avoidance of doubt in a FIFA competition, the recent demonstrations of players in Bundesliga matches would deserve an applause and not a punishment. We must all say no to racism and any form of discrimination. So he, they, mm. they're not, they're, they've basically broadly been supported by, by FIFA on, cool. on the moves they've made. Yeah. It's a good right, okay. I mean, it, it, it's difficult because obviously, you know, where does one person's exactly. politics uh, encroach? Exactly. Under? So, well, so if, if I if I was a footballer that had terrible views, uh, but it's it could be uh, argued that they were political rather than just you know racial or or, 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 or an immigration, for example, or something like that. Um, you, where does that where does that end? And it's quite so, difficult so, for, the, for FIFA and UEFA and, and, and the Premier League to to to, to work out. The reason the reason I think it's difficult, and the reason I think I may be wrong on this, and I don't have all the notes on this in front of me, I haven't prepped for this this, but as far as I understand it. The reason that FIFA have to have these things in place and UEFA and stuff is because they are so powerful as bodies and football is such a powerful presence that they mm. can't be seen to be 
influencing mm. statehood or countryhood all around mm. the world in different political sort of flashpoints and hot, hot 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 potatoes you know because it's difficult for them to 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 take a step back and make sure they're not doing that but of course you Pete, you're absolutely right to raise it because i argued yesterday on otc and i stand by this now that showing support for a man who's been murdered on camera by a police officer is not a political point it's, no, it's not yeah. political it shouldn't be it should be completely common sense that everyone should be absolutely outraged offended and upset by it and i think that's that's probably why FIFA, for once, I should say, because you don't normally rely on them for these things, for once, have read the room on this. Now, it is difficult, as you rightly say, because of what I've said and, and, and the idea that there has to be a line drawn somewhere. I mean, the football industry can't be seen as influencing whether a country becomes a country or not, which I think is what they're worried about. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very complicated issue, I think. Mm-hmm. Good to see. Good right, to get Jeff. some leadership from somewhere, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I've, I've forgotten what it felt <laughs> Very like. Very rare in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go for a quick break. Welcome back to the previous show on Football Ramble Daily, sponsored by Betway. Now it's time for emails with PDD. It is time for emails with PTD. Let's have a look at this blooming uh, iPhone that seems to have turned itself off. Where's my starred messages? There they are, and we are in. Hello to Jack Lockett. <laughs> Uh, no, Jack uh, Chipperfield. We've got uh, Mr. Chipperfield's uh, email circus. Uh, he emailed in at 9.14 this morning. Hello, gang. Whoa. I've just been out to dinner with my girlfriend and her family to a Japanese restaurant, and I've spotted this gem of a sign. Uh, arguably the highlight of my week, which tells you all you need to know about my war perceptions of the world, why my most vivid memories are worldy free kicks by opposition players against Manchester United. He actually says United, but I'm taking that out. Uh, <laughs> uh, on uh, on the picture that he attached, uh, let me just uh, get that. Uh, yeah, on the picture picture he attached the duty manager is shinji nakamura um uh, if you're curious you're not and i don't blame you about why i'm out for dinner in the middle of a pandemic new zealanders are the stand-up job so far so we've currently got one confirmed active case thanks for all of the gym podcast entertainment keep fighting the good fight cheers jack from new zealand and then about five minutes later i have made a grave error i've just i've just realized that the japanese international footballer uh, is named shinsuke nakamura and i projected shinji kagawa's first name onto him i haven't cocked up this badly since i told my flatmate i didn't dislike her painting off to (laughs) 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 <laughs> Thank you very much to uh, Jack. Uh, Menachem Friedman. Hello, Menachem. Um, shalom, Ramblers. Sidestepping politics and uh, all that trash. I don't think you can in 2020, mate. Uh, the Israeli <laughs> Premier League's restarted play last weekend, making us the second UEFA league to do so. So if you're bored of the glamour of German football, check out the Israeli Premier League. I'm enjoying that we're getting like teams foisted upon us and leagues foisted yeah. upon us because people are excited that the football is back. Uh, the league is so poor uh, when the Minister of Sports asked the Cabinet why the clubs weren't being allowed to train yet even though training had restarted in Germany and South Korea, the transportation minister uh, responded, well, because in Germany and South Korea, the football teams know how to play football. Um, oh, Mac- yeah. oh, tough. Mm-hmm. Maccabi uh, Tel Aviv uh, are currently undefeated at the top of the table, so let's see if they can beat Jim's Arsenal. And they wear yellow, which should placate yellows, uh, Luke's yellow uh, sans black uh, blood. Uh, meanwhile, uh, for Jim, the Israeli league has uh, reached the point where it spits into championship and relegation groups, so I guess that's a little bit Scottish. Uh, and for Pete, there's more than one team who has a communist supporters group. Stay healthy and safe, lads. And stay-, <laughs> stay healthy and safe, lads, and turn on illegal links to watch some shitty 
football. Mendy, I would never do that. I don't can, want can to I, um, put the Newcastle uh, takeover in, in peril. Can I just <laughs> jump in and, and issue, issue a warning to anyone who is mm. going to go and watch a football league that perhaps they wouldn't have done in the past? Because, yeah. I mean, I hope I won't, he won't mind me saying this, but Andy Brasser was actually very excited for the return of the Polish top flight. Uh, yeah. last week and recommended right. a Polish game as his game of the week and um, then spent quite a long time before we recorded yesterday talking about how bad it was, how he wished he'd never seen it and that he won't be watching <laughs> it again. And then all these, all these little OTC yesterday, it was like, yeah, it wasn't the best game, to be honest, and then just moved on. And Andy Brassel <laughs> never moves on from anything. So be careful. <laughs> Did you- did it? Did he sort of like? I mean, if you're going to go for you know a, a football league, you're really excited about the first week of the Polish league after a three month yeah. break is yeah. not the one to go for. For yeah. crying Let, out loud, Lech, Lech Poznan nil, Lidia Warsaw won. Fantastic, <laughs> yeah, lovely old job. If you want to get touch the show, shortfootballramblederly.com is the way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Talking of uh, leagues and, and football in other countries, I saw that the the, the cup final was played in Hungary. And uh, Budapest mm. Honved won it, and they and they said they opened the stadium, which I think is about forty thousand, fifty thousand, and they said, you know, all right, you, you can come in, but just be a bit socially distanced. So about ten thousand people turn up, but according to the reports, sort of by and large, people were fairly socially distanced. But of course, when Honved won the cup, and they're all together having the photos, all the fans cram in at the background and just think, oh, oh that's gone God. out the window. <laughs> yeah, not great. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Oh, yeah, yeah. Before we uh, get to Time Tunnel, what's going on with Matty Longstaff, Peter? Hey, <sighs> what's happening there? Pack the sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> He's got, you'll be able to peel him and make another one of him. Like, <laughs> like, when I, when, like when I unwrap myself on a on man. Yeah, he's out of contract. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sad. It's really, 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 really sad. That like, what is the point of having like a development squad? What is the point of having an academy? In the you give him like he scores two goals against Manchester United. I just get rid of. Just just don't let him sign a new contract. You know, offer him like fifteen grand a week when yeah. everybody else is getting ten thousand more. That my word. I love that. I absolutely love that. When when he wanted twenty five grand a week, then was verbally which is like nineties 20... wages. It's like nineties yeah. footballers decent wages, wasn't it? Yeah. He was verbally offered twenty grand a week, and then he was formally offered fifteen grand. And I thought that is that is a big mic all over that, isn't it? Oh I'd yeah, like twenty five grand a week, twenty grand a week. Yeah. What do you want fifteen grand a week for? <laughs> they want what? If you if you <laughs> if you want uh, any indication as to how the takeover is going, I think this is very much how the takeover is going. I can't yeah. tell whether it's going really well, and he doesn't want to consign uh, the new club to, to to any promises or himself to any promises, or it's gone so badly he knows he's going to be in charge for the next ten years, and he doesn't want to, uh, Matty Long. Stuff to be getting any a penny more than fifteen k a week. He's just mm. winding you all up, isn't he? <laughs> I think he might. Be, I, think, yeah. I think I'm. Right, I think I'm right in saying the the average wage of a Premier League player now is fifty ish grand a week. I think. Really. So so I mean, for him, for a, a prospect at a Premier League club who's you know obviously wanted by a lot of other teams. Um, asking for what he asked for. I don't think it's unreasonable at all. So, I mean, it's yet another piece of, yeah. of evidence. Look, look, I understand we have to be sensitive around the fact that a lot of every club's lost their lost their kind of income at the moment, um, or at least a big portion of it. So that's got to be factored in. But you'd think they'd want to keep hold of those players just because it doesn't really meaningfully cost Mike Ashley any money. Uh, so he's not, it's not like he's have to outlay for a transfer fee. And also it's a huge amount of PR for mm-hmm. it for them. They can, they can make a lot of hay out of that because he's an exciting player that Newcastle United fans are, 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 are excited about, right, Pete? 
Yeah. Well, he, he's been, he's certainly been play, put, turning in performances um, worthy of the long staff name. Sean's not been great this season. So, I mean, that might, that might see um, Sean uh, leave the club as well. So it's, it's, it's Pete, do you put performances in worthy of the Donaldson name, do you think? <laughs> God, no. Have you heard me today? Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, so, it's just really depressing that, that we've never had an academy worth, worth its salt. I mean, God. Stephen Taylor? Like, when was the last time we had an academy player come through? That's why we've had to sort of import, like, young, promising players like, I don't know, Jamal LaSalle. Or, like, we, we've got a history of, like, just not... Matt Ritchie. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> no, better, no better than what we've already got. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all a bit of a shame. It, it, it's, it's sad that uh, it looks like he's leaving the club. It was, uh, it, it was really exciting to see, like, a homegrown player uh, playing with his brother in the heart of midfield. And, and he, looked, yeah. he looked up for it and he looked interested, which is not something you can say about Shelby. <laughs> Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Because it's like you you look at the way that Newcastle successfully created Steve Harper to step in for Shea Given if it needed to happen. <laughs> and you think, why yeah. can't they use that lab again? And just <laughs> They've let it go to rack and ruin. They, they have. Really have. But it's it's just sad. It's just sad. It might be the takeover paralysis that, paralysis that uh, will cost him his, his place at Newcastle United, but it, it, it does seem like uh, Mike may be settling in for the long haul and making decisions. Uh, on that particular level, which is just sort of depressing. Yeah. Taking any kind of joy out of that club, isn't it? Oh, you hang on, yeah. they quite like this guy. He's a, yeah, all right, we'll get rid of him. <laughs> oh, dear. But, it, oh, but dear. like, why would you not just keep for another couple of years, play him a bit and make my money out of him? Because this, like, letting him leave at the end of his contract just I mean, it seems bizarre. You've spent all that money and all that time and, you know, all that Peter Beardsley on, on him, and for, for better or worse. And, <laughs> and, and we're in a situation where, you, where, where, you, where, you, where you're literally selling him for nothing. You're just letting him leave. It's just bizarre. Ashley has a bin for a heart. That's what it is, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Time Tunnel. Oh, it is indeed time for Time Tunnel. Very exciting, isn't it? And I chose the episode this week and um, a little bit of rationale behind why I chose the episode I chose. I randomly was down some Google hole earlier this week and I read an article that the independent newspaper ran um, back in 2012 uh, asking if the 2011-2012 season was the best Premier League season ever. And because we've not got any football at the moment... Uh, in, in at least domestically, I thought to myself, well, maybe I should choose an episode from that season then because that mm. was the, the, the classic Aguero finish of the season and lots of interesting stuff went on throughout. And so I chose the episode, admittedly, purely on the name alone, I chose the episode from the 9th of May 2012 called Baldy Beard Beard. <laughs> <laughs> if you Google that title, that's the only thing that comes up on Google. Uh, Probably and, and certainly is. Certainly on, uh, on Spotify, it's actually Baldy Baldy and, and it just comes in. <laughs> <laughs> well, the synopsis reads, with only two rambles left of the domestic season, the Ramblers took it upon themselves to turn up for the record a bit loopy. We just about got through it intact, but you might not. Apologies. Uh, love to your mothers. Peace. So <laughs> lot we thought peace. we were called back in mind. the day. But that, that, this, this show was released just a few days before the uh, big Aguero moment, as I've already mentioned, which saw Man City win the league title ahead of Man United. Uh, Blackburn and Wolves had already been relegated from the Premier League and Bolton, I think, went down the final day and QPR escaped, uh, I think, because of a, a very late Jabril Cissé goal against Stoke at home. But we had a Sky Sports Survival Sunday, which oh. is obviously very exciting. Uh, and Liverpool beat Chelsea 4-1 to stop them having any chance of Champions League qualification. Yes, I, I, I've, um, 
Am I right in saying that uh, on that show we would have talked about um, the FA Cup final, which happened on the fifth yes. of May? That's that that it, season. Uh, we where, did where... absolutely right. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, Chelsea beat Liverpool two one. Um, big Andy Carroll came on for Liverpool and scored, and he nearly had another one. And I and I and I wrote in my notes for that uh, uh, for, for the for the game save of the season by Czech. When he, I think it was a, it was a, it was a sort of David Siemens esque uh, save in that game. So yeah, it was odd to have the FA Cup final so early. Do you remember when they yeah. moved it forward for a number of years, which kind of annoyed everybody. Um, so yeah, uh, but I'm glad that the FA Cup. Well, I mean, the, this this season they put the FA Cup final back into August. So those uh, you know making up for for lost time. Yeah. It's funny how the th- obviously this has got the Aguero moment in it, as, as you mentioned. We talk about the FA Cup final in this in this um, show, but the thing that really stands out to me is that little mention of Blackburn um, having already been relegated because this this season was, uh, I think. Um, Part of the reign of terror of Steve Keane, wasn't it? Oh, wow! Yeah. Do you remember yes, that when yes. Steve Keane bluffed wow. his way into the job and just alienated everybody? <laughs> Didn't he get busted like being filmed in like some travel tavern, like slagging off some of the players? That's right. That yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Travel Bad boy tavern for life. Yeah, and, and perhaps having a pop at Allardyce as well. And Allardyce couldn't believe it, could he, when he was given the job? He's like, oh my God, he's absolutely knifed me there. He's absolutely <laughs> like staged a coup and I didn't even see it coming. I have to say, by the way, just to remind you, this is the episode that happened before the final day of the season. So the Aguero moment is on the show after this, not in this show yeah. itself. Yeah. Uh, but but it was it was a uh, a fascinating time, and it feels to me like it wasn't that long ago. But of course, it was. I mean, you just you just saying the word Steve Keane, <laughs> because the thing is, you guys, is that you think of Steve Keane, and you probably think, oh, he was one of those interim guys. He was there for a few months, and you know, and and that's why he's been forgotten. He was there for almost two years. Yeah, it's really mm. strange. The the what I enjoyed about this uh, episode was that uh, Luke unhelpfully mentioned uh, his favourite uh, run in or his favourite fi- final day of the season because we were looking forward to to uh, to Manchester City uh, lifting. I think we were very much pro Man City. It looks like they were going to lift it. We, I, th- I think we were, even though they they kept us guessing until the end. Um, Luke unhelpfully uh, mentioned that his favourite last day of the season was uh, Newcastle United going down, where we for some reason organised a last day of season drinks or something with some listeners, and so I had to watch Newcastle go down. With with a load of listeners who didn't support oh, Newcastle yeah. United. They were having a lovely time. Uh, so, yeah, that really took me back. Really took me back to the great good old days. That was 2009, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Can I, I mean, the, yeah, it was a great Premier League season. The, the, I remember the final day of the, uh, when did Blackburn win it? 94-95, um, when, of course, they were away to Liverpool and Manchester United were away to West Ham and it went down to the last day and, and seldom does it. I remember Manchester United at home to Spurs when, you know, that season in 99 when they won the treble, that went down to the last day, but it was, it wasn't that, because I know Spurs went 1-0 up in that game, but Manchester United you know, they ran out fairly comfortably in the end with, with a 2-1 win. But this one, um, the, the season was incredible because Man City were up and then they were they were behind a lot and then they came back and, and, and so yeah. on and so forth. And of course it was um, the season before uh, Sir Alex Ferguson would uh, quit as Manchester United manager. I said, when I say quit, that sounds quite disrespectful. He retired. Yeah. <laughs> I quit. I had enough yeah. of this. He abandoned I'm them. <laughs> I'm not getting anywhere. I can't. What could have been, eh? I'm not getting anywhere. This is, this is going nowhere, eh? I've barely, barely got the starting block. He came yeah, yeah, yeah. it. He did. <laughs> Why he can't said, I be more like Peter Schmeichel? 
Yeah. <laughs> Why can't that be more like Pep Guardiola? Um, can I? Uh, th- this is quite interesting. So, 2012. So, right. If, if if I can move on from from the Premier League chat of that season, I, I, there was a quote. So, 2012, uh, Neymar was still in Brazil playing for Santos, I believe, at the time. But he was he was getting a bit of prominence. People were you know, hearing about uh, the young man at the time. And I, this is in my notes for the running order. So I said, so neighbor is getting a reputation in Brazil for being a pretty boy who loves sexy time with models. I, I uh, <laughs> verbatim. And this is the quote that, that we found, which was, which was in the garden. He said, it's not just footballers who go to orgies. Yes, I go, but I never join in. I'm not pretty like Beckham, but I do buy clothes. I do take care. I shave my legs with a little machine I have. I do it in team <laughs> meetings. <laughs> I do it in team meetings. Oh, gross. Oh, that's like humble. I might do it when we get back in the studio. Oh, <laughs> no. Very on brand. <laughs> that's me. great stuff. Uh, so that was Neymar back then. How 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 he's definitely moved on from changed. that sort of behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> there we are. Oh well, that was uh, that was an intriguing time tunnel, and we're out the other side of it now, ladies and gentlemen. And it's time for the masked winger. Who's under there? Under the mask. Let's see if we can figure it out. Let's see if we can figure it out. It's the Masked Winger. Please don't mention orgies and time tunnels, Marcus. So close to him. <laughs> um, uh, he never joins for... in. No, he never joins in. He just watches. Uh, Masked Winger. Salve the Masked Winger. Thank you very much to uh, James. I forget to touch James DeCotty or Cotty. Uh, not a clue. Just for context, according to transfermarket.com, I have played a handful of games on the wing, but I predominantly play more centrally. That's not a clue. That's outside the confines of the clue. But here is your first clue, gentlemen. Uh, I was born on the 11th of April, 1991, in San Pietro, Venotico, uh, Italy. 19, when, when, when was he born? Sorry, 91. 1991. Ooh. Ooh, hey. Ten days after April Fool's Day, 1991. <laughs> <laughs> I have 37 caps and two goals for my country. My father has won 35 international caps and my brother has won two international caps. However, they have not been capped for the country that I have made appearances for. Ooh. Hmm. Marcus. I Marcus. Um, oh, I forget his first name. Stefan Al Sherawi. Sherawi. It's not. It's not him. It's not oh. him. No. Thank you. For thank you for, for relieving yes. me for that. <laughs> <laughs> I have won league titles in Germany and Spain. Marcus. Jim. Marcus first. Tiago Motta. It's not Tiago Motta, but no, an excellent be. guess. Um, Jim. Uh, I was going to go Kevin Prince Boateng. It's not Kevin Prince Boateng. Yeah. Ah, like, that's I'm a in... weird one, but I thought I'd have a go. I mean, he's clearly been on transfermarket.com because uh, I maintained a 90.2 pass success rate during the 2016 to 17 Bundesliga God. season, higher than any other player in Germany. Did you say 37 caps for Italy? No, I didn't mention his, uh, his country. Oh, okay. Luke. Didn't, didn't mention the country. Go on, Luke. 
Is it Tiago Alcantara? Oh, that's it. It is Tiago Alcantara, yeah. Luke Moore. Very Another good, win nice. from the big man. I've scored 11 goals for Barcelona, 31 goals for Bayern Munich. My father won the World Cup with Brazil in 1994. Uh, and my brother's uh, Rafinha, who uh, currently plays for Santa Vigo. I am Tiago Alcantara. Thank you to James for those clues. And thank you to Luke for guessing them. Well done, Luke. I've had a great run, you guys. You are. Is that four yeah. in a row? Is that a haul? Are you, on, are you on a glut? I think there's four out of five or something. You're on a glut. I, 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 did I get it last week? I can't remember. Oh, yeah, Yelovic. You did. Last you got week. your hat trick, didn't you? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I got, got my Tiagos mixed up, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Too many Tiagos. I have to say, Marcus, you, you, given that you helped me out a great deal last week, um, yeah. you won't be too pleased to hear that you, you just saying the words Tiago is what put it in my mind. No, mate, I, like I said, <laughs> I, I've moved, I'm in that stage of my career now where I'm more of a, a, a provider rather than more a provider. <laughs> I take, I take an awful lot. I, I, in fact, to be honest with you, if anything, I take more satisfaction out of that than you do. <laughs> Believe me when I say that that is not true because I've got my trousers down. <laughs> ah, well, that's a shame. That is a shame. shame. What is also a shame, ladies and gentlemen, is that uh, we're watching The Big Green featuring Steve Gutenberg for Pete's Film Club on mm. Monday. So nice, do, nice. Um, Get involved there. Uh, tomorrow on Greatest Games, Jonathan Wilson and I have Dan Carney on talking about the Serie A title-deciding playoff in 1964. 6 through the 64 season between Inter and Bologna. It's the only time in the history of Serie A that the title has been decided by a one-off match, uh, which mm. Bologna won, of course. Bologna and Inter finished level on points. And I found that fascinating because people often say, oh, it's weird in Serie A how they don't do goal difference when it comes to the title. Uh, but only once has, that, has it come into play. Uh, so quite fascinating. And also, as always, uh, there's more than just football to that story. So, so do get involved. Yeah, can I just jump in and say on Sunday, there's another episode of At The Match Revisited coming out. Um, it's a Dortmund 2 Freiburg nil game from 2018 with our good pal Andy Brassel, who's there to witness the whole thing and give you all the atmosphere that you need. Something that people are probably crying out for at the moment. Um, mm. the, the game put Dortmund six points clear at the top of the table, nine points clear of Bayern in third. Uh, but we all know how that oh. turned out in the end, don't we? Uh, <laughs> definitely worth a listen, though, because it really gives you an immersive experience into what it's like to go to a game at the Westfalen Stadion. I might do my own at the match with FIFA uh, sounds. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely at this match. <laughs> <laughs> having a hot dog <laughs> Alan Smith piping up yes. <laughs> right ladies and gentlemen it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much for listening to the previous show on Football Ramble Daily sponsored by Betway say goodbye Luke Moore goodbye say goodbye Jimmy Campbell futures say goodbye Pete <laughs> Donaldson see you later it's goodbye from me everybody This was a Stakhanov production.